0: Was Tara being Tara? Okay. We don't want Tara to ever stop being Tara, right? I don't even know if she's in here. So good. Don't you appreciate Tara? Come on. So good. Well, th- this is one of our our welcome weekends, as as we've mentioned a couple of times before, which is, is really designed to help you uh, get to know a little bit about who we are and and what we believe, and so we're intentional about what we teach uh, on those on those weekends. I, I think we're going to get to some of that in just a minute, but God was really speaking to my heart during the worship set, and so I want to I want to share some of some of those things, and because I believe it's for somebody here tonight. And but before we go there, just let me let me just talk a little bit more about what Discover City Life is. So so to. This weekend is again what we call our welcome weekend, but for the next two weekends, the class that uh, my wife Vanessa is going to be teaching, it's actually during the sermon portion of the service. We do that to accommodate those of you that have kids because the nursery is already staffed, there's childcare already here. So for the next two weeks during the sermon portion at the end of the worship set, we'll all be in here together for worship, but then you'll go into that class and get to learn a little bit more about who we are. And so if you're new to the church, we we hope that you take the time to do that. It's a great way uh, for you to get into a room into a setting with uh, some of our staff, some of our key leaders, and uh, and we can answer some of the questions that you have. So I I hope you plan to take advantage to do that with us. Hey, so this is out of Isaiah. I'm going to read from from chapter 43, and I'm going to start in verse 18. I, I love how this verse starts, but forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Let me read that again. Forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Such a powerful verse so when the when, uh, service was getting started and I turned around and, and Kelby was there and, 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 and shook hands and said, hey, how are you doing? As soon as I shook his hand, I remembered a dream that I had last night <laughs> because it was about bullet coffee, right? Anybody here know what bullet coffee is? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. It's a very odd thing, right? So, so bullet coffee is when you take clarified butter. Am I saying this right? You take clarified butter and, and you blend it in to your coffee, right? Into your coffee. And so I tasted some for the, this for the first time this summer. It doesn't sound great. It's delicious, right? Now, I don't have the exercise regimen that warrants putting clarified butter in my coffee, right? So that can't be something that I live on, right? So, so Kelby's burning about 80,000 calories a day through exercise, right? So these are the things that people are fit, they've got to do to get healthy fats back into the body. I just use Krispy Kreme donuts. That's what, <laughs> what I use to put fat in my body. So 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 in this so in this is in my dream. In my dream, I'm at this restaurant that's packed full of people and I turn to the waitress in my dream or server, right? Oh, sorry, wrong generation. Turn to the server and say, Hey, do you serve bullet coffee here? And she looked at me, right, like I had a third eye in my forehead. And, and it, you know, everything's exaggerated in your dream. And she's like, I don't even know what that is, sir. And so, so I say, in my dream, I'm, I'm trying to explain to her, right? Dreams can be frustrating, can't they? You, you can never run fast enough from the monsters that are chasing you, right? All those, right? So in, in your dream, you're never as articulate as you need to be. People are always more dense than they should be. And, and so in my dream, I'm so frustrated. So I'm saying you, it's, you, you take butter and Put it in coffee and she's like who would ever want to put butter in coffee and so i'm trying to well it's not just any kind of butter it's clarified butter and she's like well why do you keep calling it bullet coffee what are bullets have to do with it this is in my dream i'm like no that's because it used to be part of this diet that was called the bulletproof diet and she's like well if it's a diet why would you put butter in it because right and so it's just on and in this dream i'm so frustrated in my dream i just i couldn't wake up just so i could stop being so stressed out in my sleep And as we were worshiping, and I had remembered that dream with Kelby, I had such a sense that there's somebody here, and and you're having a conversation with God just like that, except you're the server in the dream. And you can't understand what he's trying to say to you. You're confused confused. It doesn't make sense. It, it's, it's as though what he's trying to say to you, it's, it's almost as though what God is speaking to you is so outlandish and so outrageous. It's, it's, I love what Hannah was saying. It's causing you to wonder, maybe he's not the God that I thought he was. Maybe I don't want him to be the one that's the ultimate authority in my, I'm not sure I can trust him in this moment. And, and this is where we come to verses like Isaiah 43. No, 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 no. Forget all of that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Sometimes there has to be a forgetting before there can be an understanding. Sometimes there has to be a forgetting before there can be an understanding because we've been taught things that aren't true. Our life experiences sometimes shape us in ways that are unhealthy and create for us biases that become obstacles that keep us from being able to perceive and see and understand the things that that God wants to speak to us sometimes they're bad attitudes that we've allowed to take root in our lives and there has to be a forgetting of these things so there can be an understanding of the new things that God, forget all of that, God says to you. If this is who God's speaking to tonight, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He's saying you've got to be willing to give up some of the things that you've thought to be true that aren't so now you can embrace the things that now are. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, right? Which is an impossibility. This is the metaphor of the poetry. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. How is that even possible, right? This is part of what these verses are saying to us. You've got to be willing to forget some of the things that you think are impossible so you can now believe things that will be true, Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is reaching into the reality of their existence and he's pointing out some things that seem as though they could never happen. And God says, you've got to set aside the limits that you've imposed upon me so that you can receive the revelation that I have for you so that you'll step into the places that I've called you to. Father, I pray for whoever is here tonight who's stuck in this conversation with you that there there's going to be a forgetting so there can be an understanding false thinking that they've made agreements with maybe maybe lies about them that other people have spoken over them that they need to finally reject temptation, Father, and, 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 and deception that, that's taken root into their heart. Maybe it's, it's patterns of sin and rebellion. Father, maybe it's, it's bad attitudes that they've nurtured for too long. Maybe, God, it's unforgiveness that they're harboring in their heart. I, I pray, Father, that they would be a forgetting so that they can be an understanding and so they can embrace the things and the places and the word that you're trying to speak. Over their lives. Father, we know that that frustration is not supposed to characterize our relationship with you. There might be seasons of frustration because of the limits of our humanity, but seasons, they must remain. Father, I pray for whoever this is for tonight, they're gonna break into a season of clarity that will be followed by a season of peace that would settle in over their heart, that would be supernatural, that would give birth to a courage to step into the new things that you're calling them to. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said, Amen. 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 Come on, you can clap. Don't clap halfway. Not clapping for me, anyways. Come on, we're clapping for Jesus. Clapping for Jesus. So, the Lord's Prayer, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. So, if you came expecting part three from that, you're just going to have to keep coming back. That's all I'm going to say. So, and you're going to have to come back more than next week because next week I'm going to be at the Suffolk campus and Pastor Justin's going to be here. Come on, we're excited about that. I know, so good. We've got a campus over there, and, uh, and so every now and again, we like to switch around so that, that uh, you can hear from Pastor Justin, who many of you might not know, was uh, our former student ministries pastor uh, for about five years before he launched our Suffolk campus a couple of years ago, and so they're doing great things over there, and so he's going to be coming here, and I'm going to be going and, and, uh, and speaking there. So in two weeks, we'll do Lord's Prayer Part 3, okay? Lord willing, we'll see. All right, but that's the plan. That is the plan. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter five. I think we're going to get through some of this. We might not get through all of it, but as we do every week, we put a uh, PDF document online on our website. So if you go to citylifeva.com, you can always listen to recordings of the weekend services for both campuses, and then also here for Newport News, we put the notes online for you because we tend to cover a lot of ground. So if you're a note taker, uh, that might frustrate you, and uh, and so if you miss something, you can always get it from there. And And so that will be available to you. So again, I think we'll only get parts of this. But if you're interested in a more uh, comprehensive study uh, on this text, then you'll be able to do that on your own through that download. All right, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Now go out where it is deeper,' And let down your nets and catch some fish. Now, Master Simon replied, we, we worked hard all last night. They did most of their fishing at night. We have worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Now, Jesus is a carpenter and fisherman. They're not usually taking advice from woodworkers. You were tracking with me? Right? This is what Peter's thinking. You can make a great table. You don't know anything about catching fish. But because I believe in who you are, I'm going to do it nonetheless. This time their nets were so full. Listen, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to even be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed him. Now, you're going to find a similar story in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. You're also going to find a similar story in Mark chapter 1, 16 to 20. Now I'm of there's lots of different camps, right, when you're interpreting the Bible. And there, there is one camp that's out there that believes that all three of these narratives are speaking of the same moment in time. And then there's another camp over here, which I am a part of, that says, no, this story that's in Luke is actually at a different time than the one that we're giving in, given in Matthew and Mark. It's a similar miracle. It just happened more than once. Now, I'm of this camp because when you follow the chronological order of the book of Luke, it is impossible for where he places it chronologically to be the same instance that Matthew and Mark, because they place it so much earlier in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Now their explanation as to why they believe this is that well the Holy Spirit when he was inspiring Luke he didn't make a mistake. The emphasis was just supposed to be more on what happened more than when it happened. But that kind of interpretation is not in keeping with any of the rest of the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of of Luke as a a physician and everything about he wrote was a historian. He was a a journalist of sorts and and his Decision defines every part of the rest of his right. even the book of Acts as he gives us this book. So if, if it doesn't fit chronologically, I believe you've got to, come to, you've got to come to a different belief. And that belief is that Luke has it exactly where it's supposed to be. And when you put it where it's supposed to be, it begins to reveal things that you would otherwise miss. And one of them is that the disciples early on, they had an itinerant ministry relationship with Christ. What does that mean? It, it means that early on, when, when it says they left everything to follow him, they did. But then there were times where they would go back to their families, they would go back to their jobs, and, and so they had this, 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 this intermittent, maybe is a better word, right? They were with him and then they weren't with him. This is an important story for us in the life of the disciples because this is the moment of time where they made the decision, we're going to stay with him forever from now on. We're not going to go back and forth. They had already made a confession of faith. They already believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but it was something else to trust him wholeheartedly and completely with their future. It's interesting to me that, that when this, this, this story starts that Jesus does not ask Simon's permission to get into the boat. He doesn't say, hey, would you mind if I get into your boat? Why don't you try that? Go down to the marina tomorrow, right? You can do that on Sunday morning because you go to church on Saturday, it's great. Just wander around, right? Just go ahead and get on somebody's boat. Just see how that, see how that works for you, right? Even if you know them, right? Boat owners, I can tell you, we're particular. Did you take your shoes off? You better put that towel down before he better step on my seat cushion, right? Oh, that's chocolate that melts. You're going to have to find a different snack, right? We're particular about what happens on the boat, who's on the boat. This is what we love about Jesus. He just gets into the boat because even though it belongs to Simon, Simon belongs to him. See, Jesus shows up in our lives and he does not have to ask permission to be there. He can just come whether you want him to be there or not. But as the story that we just read, it shifts. He goes from being this person that gets onto the boat and then his attitude changes. He begins to make requests. He begins to ask questions. He doesn't tell them what they must do. He asks them, implying what they should do, but he lets it become their choice. This is what Jesus does for us people. He steps into our life uninvited at times. But that's not supposed to be the way our relationship is defined with him for the rest of our lives because he's not looking for spiritual slaves the bible uses this phrase that we're slaves to christ but because that's how you choose to relate to him in full and complete obedience but really what god wants from us he wants surrender surrender that we offer and not through compulsion And and i share that with you because as a church we're bold in our beliefs but we're patient with people When people come into City Life who are new or maybe they're new to faith or maybe they're new to church and you might observe things in their lives and you're asking the question, I don't know why somebody doesn't talk to them about stopping some of that stuff because some of the way that they act, and I mean, I see some of their posts on Facebook and I don't even know why they would call them a Christian. I can't believe the church doesn't intervene. No, 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 no. We're bold in our beliefs. We're patient with people you want other people, you should want other people to find from you the same kind of grace that God's demonstrated to you your whole life. And sometimes churches can be in too much of a hurry for the change that we see, but we want it tomorrow. And for some people, that kind of change, it takes time. Jesus doesn't need our permission to show up, but then he wants us to choose to surrender. He could make us do it, but making us do it would never last. He's not just looking for obedience, he's looking for surrender because surrender brings about a heart change that leads to a lifetime of transformation. We have some callings here at City Life. There's five of them that we draw out of this text. Again, we're not going to get through all five of them tonight. And so the ones that we skip, you can get those online. But the first one I want to talk about tonight is somebody say a hope calling. A hope calling. Listen to verse five. Verse five says this, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. There are times and seasons in our lives where the reality of our circumstance is undeniable and it can be discouraging, it can be hard and, and, and sometimes God steps into that moment and he asks something from us and it requires hope to believe and to try again. For some of you, because of the way that you've been failed by people, maybe you've been betrayed by people, maybe it's been in the context of your own home, maybe it's been in your own marriage, you know that hoping is hard to do, but hoping is something that we must let flow from our hearts. Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen, which is a cornerstone verse for this church, I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The New Living Translation renders it this way, yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. There's goodness that we're only gonna see when we get to heaven, but God says, hey, you don't have to wait to get here with me for you to experience goodness because he wants us to have goodness in this life, this side of heaven. That's why the message of this church is heaven now, heaven forever. This verse is one of the verses that inspired this belief in us. It comes from verses like Hebrew. I mean, Ephesians three twenty. It says, "Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work with us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think." Some translations render it right, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. Hebrews, here's the verse in Hebrews six nineteen. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We have a hope calling here at City Life. We want to be a community of people where others can come, where they're discovering Christ for the first time, or maybe they're rediscovering community for the first time, and they are willing to hope Again, times of failing always precede seasons of thriving. Times of failing always precede seasons of thriving. So in Ecclesiastes 3.11 talks about every season being beautiful in its time. If you're familiar with Ecclesiastes 3, there's a whole list of seasons, right? And some of that list, we're like, I hope they never happen to me. And then there's a list like, this is all we want. And you you get to 11, it says all of them are beautiful in their time. And it's not just referring to the ones that we're naturally inclined to hope for. It's referring to even the ones that we would say are, are the bad seasons, the seasons we don't want. But God uses those seasons so often to make us ready to be good steward of the season of goodness that's to follow. Times of failing precede seasons of thriving. I remember in the spring of 2009, uh, we had been here just for about two years. We moved here in October of 2007 to be a part of City Life. And, and uh, we were uh, still meeting on the campus of the Mosaic over there at 28 Harpersville Road. And we had just shifted on to Saturday nights, just Saturday nights only back in December of 2008. And, and I remember we were driving home that Saturday night. There were, there were less than 90 people at the service and, and giving had gotten to a place where it wasn't even meeting our basic expenses. And, and, I, and I remember driving home and thinking to myself, I don't know if we're gonna make it, We are two years in and the church is smaller than it was when we came. Giving is less than it needed to be to meet budget. And I remember that feeling in my heart of driving home, of despair. I remember having these thoughts then in 2009, did we make a mistake in coming here? Because the fruit that we're looking for, God, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And although it, they were not these specific words he spoke to me, what I felt from him were, Fred, seasons of failing precede seasons, come on, of abundance, seasons of thriving, seasons of, of where there's fruit that, that, that abounds. You've got to put your time in in these seasons if you expect to ever get to those seasons. And I remember by the time I got home having just such a sense of resolve that we are going to continue to do what God has called us to do. And you know what? If it doesn't make it, then that's God's decision, but it's not going to be because we stopped trying. It's not going to be because we stopped trying, right? There was, there was hope. See, this is part of what city life is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a church that is a place that has a hope calling, where we look at people who are in desperate circumstances and say to them, I know your situation is not good, but you can make a decision today to hope in spite of of your circumstance, you can make a decision today to say, no, 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 I believe that Psalm 27, 30, that's for me. I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You begin to speak those verses over your life. Ephesians right 3:20, exceedingly abundantly above all could I ever, ever I could ask or imagine. We're gonna be a church that has a hope calling where people learn to hope again in spite of their circumstances. What if we had given up that Saturday night? what if we had given up think about over these these right these 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 last 8 or 9 years All the people that have been baptized, the work that's being done in the Dominican Republic, just about, just the ministry that just took place this morning between those over 100 women at this brunch, right? The list can just go on and on and on. Marriages that have been restored, youth that are pursuing a, a calling and vocational ministry, praxis nine, what's happening in there through this internship, right? We can just keep going on and on and on and on. We have got to be a place that looks at people and says to them, don't stop hoping. Because our journey here at City Life is the same as your journey. The story's going to be different, but it's the same circumstance. You're going to find yourself in places in time where the results you're looking for aren't what you feel like you signed up for, but you cannot give up. And hope is the anchor of your soul, as it says in Hebrews, so that you can get to the season of thriving that God wants you to discover. We have a hope calling here at City Life where people can learn to hope again. Somebody say an usher calling. We have an usher calling. Usher calling. Usher calling. Verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, O Lord, please leave me, for I am too much. In the Greek here, he, he uses the word hamartolos, which, which is an archery term, That is to miss the mark. So if you're shooting and you miss the target, right? That's what hamartolos means. This is the word he uses over his own life. He says, God, my life is such a mess of missing the target. I'm always failing. And I don't even deserve to be in your presence. But in his presence, he was. In his presence, he was. This is part of the ministry and the calling of City Life is to create An atmosphere and a setting where people can encounter Jesus. Where they leave, they might not understand it. Maybe they don't have a church background, so the vocabulary is missing to describe it and articulate it, but they leave knowing that they experience something of a living God and they encounter Jesus Christ. Listen to John 3. 26 to 30, it says, so John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people and everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah and I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. The bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear the vows. It's beautiful, isn't it? Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This is part of the defining culture here at the City Life Church. We're here to just usher you in to have an encounter with Christ. The worship team is here not for, for you to, 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 to glorify them, They're here to awaken you to the presence of God who's in the room. Every ministry that's in this church is built on on this premise. Is that no, 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 we're here, right? We're like the window that you're just supposed to see through that makes the view possible. We're not looking for you to adore us, we're not looking for you to celebrate us. We're not, we're not looking for you to magnify us. We we have an usher calling. We want to be like the boat that made this encounter with Peter and Jesus possible. Nobody left that day going, How about that boat? (laughs) Woo! Did you see the planks on that thing? The lines that had? Nobody was saying that. But they were saying something. And what they were talking about was this guy, Jesus, who was coming onto the scene and turning the world upside down. This is who we are here at City Life. It's not glamorous. Right, we're not into it to be glamorous. Right? We're into it because there's somebody that you need to know and his name is Jesus and we're going to give our lives so that you can meet him and you can go out and do the things that he's created you to do. City life is a place for people to meet with Jesus. We're bold in our beliefs. And we're patient with those people when they have that encounter. We have a a saying here that's become popularized over the years. It's called participation brings transformation. Participation brings transformation. Too many churches don't allow people to be a part because of stuff that's going on in their lives. Now, we don't let you work with kids, Right? We do background checks. There's an interview process. We're not taking chance with our children. You've got to rise to a certain standard to be with the kids. If you're a leader... You've got to rise to a certain standard. There's certain expectations. There's a certain amount of spiritual maturity that we're looking for in your life. You, you need to have, there cannot be patterns of sin. Maybe that used to be in your past, right? Because if you're going to, if we're going to say to you, follow them as they follow Christ, we, we got to know some things about them. But, but that's it. For everybody else, we say participation brings transformation. You might look at a musician or somebody that's taking up the offering or staying at the door as a greeter, and you were behind them in the line at Walmart the other day, and you're going, wow, I hadn't even heard some of those words for a long time. (laughs) Woo! Yeah. Participation brings transformation. If you say you got to get better before you can take the medicine, what doctor says that to you? Could you write me a prescription? Well, I can give you that, but I really can't give that to you until you're better. Well, I can't get better without the medication. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the conversation that churches are having with people every weekend. Every weekend, participation brings transformation. We're not taking chances with kids. We're not taking chances with leaders. But we take chances with each other in letting people be apart so they can become who God's called them to be. It's part of us having an usher calling. And all of us have to embrace this calling together. Are you with me? It's not a calling just for this person or for that person. That's why we like to talk about these every so often in our welcome weekends. Because these callings are for all of us. We have a hope calling, meaning that all of us together are gonna be a place that inspires people to hope again. We have an usher calling. All of us together are gonna be a place that says, no, 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 no. We want people to be a part so that they can have that encounter with Christ in the boat. We have an eternity calling. Somebody say eternity calling. Look at verse five here. Verse five says, master, this is the word that, Peter uses to reference Christ. Master. In the Greek, it's the word epistates. Master, Simon replied. We've worked hard all night. right? I'm not going to read the whole story. You know what happened. was just this great miracle. Then we get to verse 8. Now, Peter calls him something different here. This is important. Luke's not just trying to give some variety in his writing. Something happened in Peter's heart. When Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, Lord. Please leave me for I am too much of a sinner, hamertalus, to be around you. See, this word Lord is kyrios. See, epistates means authority. And, and this word in Jesus' day, was tip, it, was, it was like sir, but a little bit more serious than that. It, it, was a, it was a term of respect. It doesn't necessarily mean that that person was your master. It just meant that you recognized that they were one. It's an acknowledgement of the authority that they have. That's how that term was used. But then you get to verse eight. He doesn't say epistates. He doesn't say master. He says, Lord. This is a whole different kind of word. When you call someone Lord, you're saying, I want you to be the master of me. I want you to be the ultimate authority in my life. See, we have an eternity calling here at the City Life Church. We don't want people to just learn about this idea of this person, Jesus, and give some intellectual assent to the the reality of his sonship and his deity. And and, and doctrines are are important, but you you can live the whole rest of your life in a place of doctrine. And Jesus is just your master, but he's never going to become your Lord. Something has to happen in our hearts where we say, I don't want to just acknowledge who he is. I want him to be all of that over me. At some point, it's got to get personal. At some point, it's got to become so real for you that you're willing to defer to him in every way all the time it's interesting, right? So if you take this story going back to where we started and pull it out of the beginning of Jesus's ministry and put it where I believe that it's supposed to be, what you're finding here is Peter is in this place of transition from Jesus just being an A master. And I believe he's already made his confession of belief that he is the Messiah. But now he's saying, Jesus, I want you to govern my life for the rest of my days. He knows he's undeserving. He knows he's missed the mark. He, he knows that he, he, he doesn't deserve to even be in his presence. But it's interesting, isn't it, that he doesn't jump out of the boat. What he does is he drops to his knees. See, his confession is based on how he sees himself, but his declaration is based on how he sees Christ. And he knows that it's because of his confession that he needs Jesus to be this one who's called the Lord because if there's any hope of him stopping, missing the mark, it's only gonna be through following him. And Peter lays down his life in that moment for the rest of his days. Does he make some mistakes? Sure he does. Does he make some big mistakes? Yeah, three of them. But even then, Jesus does not give up on this man because participation brings transformation. Even for these that Jesus called to lead the church. Invite the worship team to come back up. The bilingual Shoshone woman, Sacagawea, who lived from 1788 to 1812, accompanied Lewis and Clark Corps of Discovery Expedition in 1805 to 1806. From the Northern Plains, through the Rocky Mountains, to the Pacific Ocean, and back again. Her skills as a translator were invaluable, as was her intimate knowledge of some difficult terrain, Perhaps most significant was her calming presence on both the expeditioners and the native population they encountered who might have otherwise been hostile to the strangers. I knew this fact, but every time I read it, I'm struck by it. Remarkably, Sacagawea did all of this while caring for her son that she gave birth to two months before departing two months. She has this baby, takes the child with her on this expedition, right? And back again. What a picture of courage for us in history. Listen to this quote. This is what she says. Amazing the things you find when you bother to search for them. Amazing the things that you find when you bother to search for them. This weekend, this welcome weekend, this is is about city life for you to discover us. But it doesn't mean that if you don't discover us that we don't want you to discover something else elsewhere. Because see, there's a transcendent part of every one of these welcome weekends. And that's us saying to you, you got to find a church home whether it's here or not. And it takes work to find it. Sometimes it feels like the Lewis and Clark Expedition. You're traveling, you're going, you're disappointed, you're lost, you you gotta backtrack, right? It, It takes effort. But what I'm saying to you is don't give up. Right? You gotta keep looking. It's amazing the things you find if you'll just search for them. If we're not the church that you're looking for, don't go home discouraged and live the next six months as a spiritual orphan. You gotta get back out there and keep searching. If we're not what you're looking for, we'll give you a list of church, awesome churches in this area that you can go and visit. I see Talvin that's here tonight. Come on, it's good to have you here, Pastor. From Bethel Church. Great church. Now they meet on Sunday, but you know, come on, you gotta give up some things. But they're a great church in this city. We're going tomorrow morning to John Ware's launch service in Regal Cinema. We're excited about Life Church being in this city. You don't have to come here, but go somewhere. For goodness sake, go somewhere. Stand with me, Father. Backing up to where we started for, for whoever that word was for, Father, for the forgetting that needs to happen, for the understanding that needs to come. I pray, Father, that, that, that what you're doing in their heart, Father, you would just go deeper and deeper and deeper still. I pray for City Life as we step into this moment of worship. God, find find us faithful. Find us faithful. To inspire hope, to be the usher, to bring people into the encounter of Christ and for the eternity calling that you've given to us to bring people to a place of just doctrinal ascent, to a place of heart surrender, to live for you all of our days. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship together.